We're coming out dangerous. Rockets going off. Sometimes the brightest stars shine for the shortest amount of time. Yeah, oh yeah. They heard us all across Tallahassee after that one. We gotta bring home the W. Oh yeah, we're gonna destroy them. Put them on the Heisman watch. They're fine, man. LinkedIn player of the year. We're gonna be a force to be reckoned with. I played a little adult I felt like I, I scored in the World Cup, but I didn't even score. Controversy? question pure chaos go crazy was insane chris petley he was the defensive mvp of the 2019 season oh yeah i'm in my prime right now let's go and hello there welcome to a little tally sc talk podcast here the officially sanctioned podcast of the tallahassee soccer club the semi-pro team here based in the capital city of the sunshine state i'm andrew jupe And we have a little bit of an alternative episode for you here today. We know it's the second episode of the week, and so we're not going to do our huge breakdown and features, but we do have a couple of great interviews, which is going to be the basis of the program here today. Before we get rolling, I want to remind you, you can check us out at social media at TallySCTalk, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Of course, if you want to check out news, notes, and other things, check us out online have a nice little web page for the podcast which also puts some additional content out in addition to just the podcast some articles links for upcoming games and some more things going on generally here in the gulf coast conference of the mpsl you can check that out goodsforsporting.com slash tally dash sc dash talk and of course the four is the number four there Of course, if you want easier access, follow, like, subscribe, do all that crap on our social media. The link's going to be in the bio, so it's going to be easier for you to do. So, previewing today's events, or I guess the topics of conversation, if you will. Once again, Trent is out, so he's handling some personal business, so he'll be back next week. So we wish him the best, of course, and he'll be back into the fold. So it's just going to be me. Like I said, this is more of a narration. We're going to go a quick recap of Jacksonville. Give you a little preview schedule for the upcoming weekend this weekend here in the Gulf Coast Conference. Then we have two special guests. One is a local here in Tallahassee. It's going to be Richard, president of the Oldfield Battalions, the supporters group here in Tallahassee. And then we were also able to catch up with Jeff. He is the king of the royal court out in New Orleans, and we're going to talk to him. He's going to give us the inside scoop. We can call it that behind enemy lines segment if you're familiar with the podcast here that we've been missing the last couple episodes, but finally able to link up with somebody on the other side. And so Jeff will take us through a little bit of background about New Orleans, what to expect when we head out there, and kind of a little bit of a history. And more importantly, the squad, because they have some pieces coming back into the fold that we had not seen or we saw partially back a couple weeks ago when we had our 0-0 draw back at Gene Cox Stadium. Like we said, a loaded episode here. So we'll get on rolling to start things off, of course. Man, it was a brutal one. If you're listening to this here in Week 8, you obviously know the result of the Jacksonville game, a 4 nothing defeat, and that was brutal. We went out there ourselves, of course, uh, Trent and I in the house, a couple other TSC fans making the trip, talking to them and getting some feelings around the squad. It was it was a tough defeat, but it was against the best team in the table, and we're still trying to figure out, of course, trying to fill some spots of where we desperately need our boys back. Cy, Bennett Mitchell, of course, on injury, and Cole Red, which, of course, 
not with the team. But anyways, like we said, the 4-0 defeat from Jacksonville, so they will stay at the top of the table. So through nine matches, they're on 24 points right now to lead the table here in the Gulf Coast Conference. So they are running right towards that first place seed. But of course, Southern State's on their coattails as we look around the league as well. Southern State's was able to take down AFC Mobile 1-0. And then in the other game, uh, 8-5-0 Cup. So an interesting storyline here. Pensacola and the roots of Panama City tying 3-3. It is the third game of four that resulted in a 3-3 tie. So I know us in the 8-5-0, man, we know how to score some goals, and we've gotten you thrilling matchups so far. Of course, the Roots and Pensacola have to make up their match from the one that got postponed last Saturday. I believe that was Saturday the 12th, if I'm not mistaken that they had the game postponed to halftime. Pensacola was up 1-0. We've referenced it a couple times now in the podcast. We're still waiting for the ruling of whether they're going to resume that. They're just going to start it completely over, yada, yada, yada. So that'll come into those effects. But at the moment, as it stands, we'll talk a little bit later with our Old Fields Battalion guest, Richard, about the A5-0 Cup here. But Tallahassee on top of the A5-0 Cup, of course, between the three teams here in the Florida Panhandle using the 850 area code. That, of course, is Pensacola and Panama City, a.k.a. the Florida Roots, and ourselves. So basically the six games that we'll be playing between ourselves will decide who is the 850 Cup champion, and it's trending toward, with this result of a draw, that that June 30th game, the Wednesday night game here in Tallahassee versus Pensacola, will essentially be a winner-take-all. We have some other things that could come into play, but that's about it. So those are the results here for Wednesday. So let's snap back to TSC versus Jacksonville. Like we said, not much that we really want to go into the 4-0 defeat. I don't really think there's a lot of positives that can be in that. This is one of those games we just need to get rid of and dump away, pretty much. Jacksonville came out in their 3-4-3. We struggled to match up with that a little bit. They ended up getting the best of us. Their guy, Larides. Alejandro Larides had a field day, got a hat trick for himself. He scored early and often the ninth minute, the 52nd minute, and the 54th minute. So they got the early goal. That was just a good link up. They got the second one before halftime, kind of a backbreaker that we had like last week against Southern Stars. And then there was the third one, which I would argue that was offsides. And then the fourth one was kind of a frustration goal, TSC, kind of reeling off of that third goal. Despite the result at in Jacksonville, it was still a really fun time. The road trip was worth it, and I highly recommend anybody trying to go out to away games, definitely, definitely, definitely go for it. You will not be disappointed. The battle lines are always fun to watch, and it's cool to root on your boys in an adverse environment. And man, if any of these situations are like Jacksonville, the boys are going to need it. So you can go back and watch those, of course, on Cujo if you want to, or Eleven now, as they're known, the streaming service. Uh, feel free to message us at Tally SC Talk if you want the link to that game. You can go back and watch it, but not really much to get into, to be honest. Obviously, what you think from a 4-0 defeat is probably where we are at for a 4-0 defeat. So that doesn't really change much as far as the table goes. We talked about the results for Jacksonville. They'll stay up top. Southern States with their win will stay second. Pensacola for the time being, if you're using points per game, they would stay at third. If you're not, they would be at either fourth or fifth. 
depending on their tiebreaker with AFC, though Pensacola does have the goal differential advantage, so I guess you could put them at either third or fourth. New Orleans in the points per game would fall in fourth place with 1.5, Mobile in fifth, Port City sixth, Tallahassee still seventh, Florida Roots eighth. And that's pretty much where we stand here. Of course, like we said, nobody really making any moves. Everybody stayed as where they were the beginning of the week as we're kind of getting a little entrenched here. But some interesting matchups as we go forward to Saturday. Like we said, we're moving on from that Jacksonville game, dude. If you want a Jacksonville recap, uh, I'd say talk to your buddies. Or, uh, you know, we can have a, uh, a conversation off of the podcast or something. In other words, feel free to hit message us or hit the mailbag. TallySCTalk at Gmail. Dot com. We will keep on rolling. Let's talk about it, getting into the matchups, like we said, coming up this weekend. So we, of course, weather permitting, will be traveling out to New Orleans, so it'll be a 7 versus a 4 matchup. We look at some of the other ones going on. Number 8, the Roots, will be traveling to Jacksonville to see if they can't pull a little upset special. Number 3 in the table, Pensacola, will be traveling to number 5, Mobile. That's going to be a huge one as far as table implications. Of course, you're thinking at it if you're trying to guess and see where TSC would fall or what the best result would be. I think essentially you're looking for a draw because Pensacola right now with 10 points, AFC Mobile with 11. You really don't want either of those guys to get three. So I think the best result for TSC would be a draw. Going forward to the other game, Southern States and Port City. Though we don't really want to root for Southern States, it would probably be a best-case scenario if Southern States were to win and then Port City would stay on nine points. It would be an opportunity for us to jump up to nine points as well if we would beat New Orleans, and then we would be even with Port City on raw points and points per game, though they would hold the tiebreaker against us depending on goal differential. We could potentially make up five goals on them, though. For example, if we were getting a 2 nothing win against New Orleans and they were to lose 3 nothing to Southern States, we would be able to jump them on goal differential. We would both be negative 3 there, but of course we would have more goals for and be able to leapfrog them. So at least small steps, we could potentially move up to 6th place here on raw points and points per game, depending how you look at it. Because you know here, this is a pro points per game podcast, so anybody that brings it up, we will back the points per game, whether rightly so or unrightly so. That's just what we're doing here. And if you want to use non-points per game and go raw points, you are more than welcome, and feel free to enjoy that on your own podcast. But I like uh, I like the kind of uh, bit going here with the points per game. Adds a little chaos and confusion, but... When you look at it, it it may be a better simulation of what the teams are actually doing. Because, for example, Southern States has nine games and Pensacola has six. So if you did raw standings, you would have Pensacola back in fifth position. But it wouldn't really be an accurate portrayal because they've played three less games than Southern States. And they've played two less games than both New Orleans and AFC, who would be ahead of them. So... As far as a status update, until we all get to the end of the season, I mean, I think points per game is the way to go. And potentially, if we're not able to get all these league games in due to weather or, heaven forbid, we even bring it up as we get ready for hurricane season, that these things could come into effect. So, that's pretty much the table and the schedule we have for the week 
upcoming. Now that we've gotten you up to date on all the TSC results and the league happenings both in the table and on the schedule this weekend, why don't we introduce our guests? First off, we're going to jump in and go with the Old Field Battalion's president. Of course, the Old Field Battalion's the supporters group of TSC. So we want to bring into the program Richard Rubin. So thanks for coming aboard. Richard, what's going on, my man? How are we feeling? Hey, thanks so much, Andrew. A little bit of a frustrating loss last night, of course. All has not lost it yet. As you can see in the table, we're still just five points back from that playoff spot in fourth place. Um, got plenty of games left to go. So there's still all to play for, not only for a playoff spot, but also we're still in the, in the top of the table for the A5O Cup. Maybe even more importantly here, local bragging rights. We got to have right. something to hang our hat on here, which is exciting. But yeah, like you said, still in the playoff race. So don't count us out, baby. Keep the faith because we could still go get 15 points, Richard. We get 15 points. We're sitting on 21. You average that out. A point and a half points per game. I know they like to yeah. use points per game here, and that's going to be right at that four line, man. So, still some hope for the season for sure going forward. So, I love that you bring that up. Obviously, making the trip out to Jacksonville, team falling 4 0. It's tough to take, take some stuff away from 4 0. Anything, I guess, that you saw or thoughts on the game going forward that we can utilize aside from. Now we have played our four games that we had to play against the top two teams in the table, and so now we can just get on with the rest of the season. Yeah, it's it, it's it's nice to get those four games out of the way versus Southern State, Southern Stars, and Jacksonville. Also, we've played, what, three games since Thursday? Uh, we had the Thursday game, of, and then we had Saturday in Hattiesburg, a five-hour trek out there, turn around on Wednesday and play Jacksonville again on the road. Really frustrating to, that those are both midweek games. So, you know, we didn't really have much of a presence out there. But I think we have one midweek game left. Unfortunately, it's at home. So hopefully we'll be able to have more of a presence going forward in these games. One of the ones you reference, of course, New Orleans coming up on Saturday. So you guys have travel plans and all that set up going forward. But there may be a little twist in the plot because, as we know, once we get into full-scale summer in the golf, man... Those kind of storms are always going to be start to be brewing. So once again, we're going to have to click in that gear, but maybe a little earlier than we uh, usually anticipate, Richard. Uh, what do we got going on with uh, yes, Mother sir. Nature? Uh, seems like deja vu all over again. You know, in, in 2019, we had a game canceled because of a hurricane out in, um, I believe it was uh, um, Port City, maybe um, too long ago for me to remember. Um but yeah, we, we had plans to travel out there. We got five of us. Uh, we got some hotels booked in New Orleans. Um, but like you said, we're, we're watching the tropics. Um, it's, it's not looking too good right now, um, but we're still hanging on. Hopefully we'll get some good news here tomorrow, maybe Saturday morning before we hit the road. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still hoping that we can make it the trip over there and, and support our boys. Drew, because I know the weather already impacted one of the games this season, not ours, but of course, I think it was last Saturday, the Roots in Pensacola, they obviously played a midweek game this week, but they were playing a Saturday affair over in, I think it was Panama City, so they were at the Roots, but they had to halt the game at halftime because the weather was so severe, and I think Pensacola was up 1-0 at halftime, and I think they just fully postponed the game. 
since they were only through 45 minutes. And mm-hmm. so I have heard that they're going to reschedule that game. I don't know if they're just going to play the second half or they're going to go and just blanket and restart. So we've already seen the weather play an impact. And it, uh, it's kind of affecting that A50 Cup. So we keep referencing it. And so as opposed to being on the periphery of what exactly is the A50 Cup, if people are confused, open the door on that. Richard, first of all, what is the A50 Cup and how did it come to be about? Because perhaps how it was established is more entertaining or the bigger storyline here of how things went down and is a great picture of some of the fabulous things about small minor league soccer or semi-pro soccer, lower league soccer, however you want to phrase it, that we kind of appreciate being big supporters of a, a lower division soccer club here. Absolutely. Um, like like most things we do in the old Felix Battalion, um, this was totally random, just came from conversation, you know, sitting around um, drinking some beer. Um, you know, we're, we see, um, I think it was Pensacola, either Pensacola or, or, or Roots, one of the, the other teams in the A5O um, has shirts that say like, we are the A5O. So we kind of took exception to that and thinking like, no, we are the A5O. We're the team that's been here the longest with Pensacola. And of course, you know, and, and the only other um, time that we have to prove who's the A5O, we finished well above them in the table in 2019. So we figured why not make it official and start the A5O Cup, which originally just started as a simple hashtag just started making a little table on an Excel spreadsheet that we've been posting on the Twitter every week. Um, it kind of snowballed a little bit from there. Somebody from Pensacola reached out to us and said, Hey, if you want to get a trophy, um, we'll happily pay some of that. So now we have a trophy, a rather large trophy, which unfortunately I don't have with me. Otherwise I would show it to you, but there's pictures of that on our, on our social media. You can see it's a pretty nice trophy. Like you said, there's one more match left between roots and Pensacola. And then we also have the matchup between us and Pensacola on Wednesday the 30th, which will decide that the winner most likely there's some chaos scenarios out there where if roots comes back and somehow beats Pensacola by three goals and then Pensacola turns around and beats us three goals to nil, it's a total tie five points for each team and each team has a zero goal differential. So don't really want to face that scenario because I have no idea how we would determine the tiebreaker there, but otherwise we're in a pretty good position Tallahassee. If, things shake out, I think either a draw or a, a win would get us the AFL Cup in, in normal circumstances, probably in that chaos scenario that I mentioned before. Uh, I did because that's a, something I didn't even think about. Obviously, been following your standings and updates and trackings and from the establishment start to finish, and it was funny. You know, we were getting in the banter a little bit with the A50 Cup, trying to hype it up a little bit, and then all of a sudden, boom, a trophy has been made. I see the picture of it. But I didn't even think about, so I was running scenarios because mentally, I guess I had just blocked out the roots of this situation. But with the draw, like you said, it brings a chaos situation. So I didn't even think about a three-way tie where we could all be equal with each other. That would be a shame. If you were the judge and the jury, so say that happens, everybody gets back to zero goal differential and with the five points, I think would be the mark that everybody would have to hit. What would be your ruling? Are you going three-way championship, or are you going no award of the trophy, or are you doubling down and maybe doing, of course, the 2022 champion, they'll just be the tiebreaker, and they they get credit for both of them. Any thoughts or any discussions within? Yeah, that's, a, that's a great question. You, you know the Euros are going on right now, and they had um, Russia playing 
yesterday and, and they were talking about the last time that they advanced into the next round and the Euro was when they were the Soviet Union and they advanced by a, by a coin toss tiebreaker. So um, I'm thinking, you know, worst case scenario, if that chaos scenario does, does happen, you know, we might look at something like that coin flip or maybe like rock, paper, scissors or, or something to, to break the tie. Cause um, there's absolutely no st- statistic that I could think of that would break that tie. You know, goal differential all at zero, everybody at five points. Um, so that's that's something that we'll have to think about. Otherwise, you'd have to get into some kind of crazy circumstance of, but uh, I think a coin flip would be so anticlimactic. Or I'm thinking of back to the world. Was it the World Cup a couple of years ago that had, it almost came into play with the, um, oh, what's the term? I think it's like a fair play tiebreaker where like cards and oh, yeah, all that other stuff right. comes into play. It kind of makes me cringe, you know, just because we have a, a physical scrappy team. So especially early in the season, we got a ton of cards. So yeah. that's kind of a dangerous avenue to go down and, and something I know nobody really likes to bring up or talk about. It's funny, professional level, but here it seems to hit home a little more. I'd be a little more worried about that. Right. Yeah, we have, we've had some card-happy officiating in some of these games not in our favor so hopefully we won't come down to the fair play tiebreaker <laughs> with the other two teams in the 850 area code with pensacola panama city roots it seemed to be kind of even affair and then pensacola really caught fire um they had a, a rough start to the season and then they seemed to catch fire a little bit really rocketed up the table and to get into the double digit points and then the roots obviously a scrappy game versus us and just in their first year trying to get their their feet rolling and and everything with that. Um, But I guess what's your kind of forecast or impressions of the other two teams? Because like you said, I think if you ask most people that when the game gets flipped around and they either play the second half or resume action, kind of prevailing thought is Pensacola would either tie or win. And so you would be going into a situation basically when they come to Tallahassee, it's a quote winner take all. Obviously, if we wanted to sit on it and tie, we could still win by tying. But you know, nobody wants that. No. But long-winded question of impressions of the other two squads or how we're going to get this thing down the stretch. Yeah, like you said, um, Pensacola has definitely been the most impressive of I think of all VA five O teams this this season thus far. They, they got a really good academy. You know, they they still have a Gulf Coast premier league squad so they have two squads running one in our former league that we were in in 2019 and the roots yeah they were i was kind of surprised by that result last night the 3-3 draw i was watching that a little bit too after our game and they were really pressing hard they looked a lot better than i've seen them i was surprised by that result but once they resume that game the rain delayed game i think pensacola will probably come out on top if, if not have a draw so we'll probably be facing that winner take all scenario here in, in Tallahassee Wednesday after next credit to the roots for coming out and and giving them a battle man see I don't want to put that on our team and I don't want to get to those discussions but realistically depending on how the next couple games go you know we could be in a similar situation to what the roots find themselves in now they're sitting on two points and so I'm not sure if they went out if they could get in obviously they'd need a ton of help and cool to see just the fight and the battle and of course i don't know if you saw one of their guys i think it was aramel via i had heard that they dedicated that game to him so just to have a fight and be able to get a result i think that goes a long way 
Not yeah. to say that if they lost, it, it wouldn't have meant anything, but I know we talked about it here on the podcast in the other episode, but just wanted to re-shout that out. And cool to see them fighting for that and get behind him and obviously continue to wish him the best and on everything and speedy recovery for not only the Via family, but of course the, the Florida Roots community as well. Yeah. So all that to be in a picture of. I had heard that that was a really emotional basis for the game. So to see them be able to go out and get a team that's sitting, I believe it was third before the start of this week in the table, depending on if you're going raw points, sports per game to go after it. We definitely are behind them, you know, here in, in, in Tallahassee too. So it was, it was nice to see them, you know, come out with such a strong performance, selfishly sad that not, not seeing them win. Cause that would have helped us in the, in the cup standings as well. Not, not only in the cup and the playoff standings too, but it was still cool to see them, you know, have such a inspired performance after a rough time, not only for their season, but personally with one of their players too. So nothing but the best for them going forward for sure. That's kind of the update on how the Cup's going and how everything came about. Has there been much banter with the Cup? Because a lot of times, you know, a Cup is based or facilitates rivalries or that edge because I feel like we're kind of in a different situation with Jacksonville because obviously Jacksonville has what would have been a NASL, right? And then it folded and they had all the other stuff. So they're actually a U23 team. And so I feel like us in the Panhandle, we're all a similar situation. So has there been much, just with a local rivalry, a banter on your guys' part to kind of fuel this or just getting a little clap back from those other guys? Unfortunately, there's not a very organized supporters group for either Pensacola or the Roots. We have seen that the only other groups that are rather organized in terms of supporters, you got Jacksonville with that Section 904. New Orleans has the Royal Court. Of course, Mobile has the Causeway Rebellion. Not sure if any of the other teams have an organized supporters group. There's been a little bit of back and forth with us in the front office accounts for uh, both the Roots and Pensacola, but hopefully things will, will get better in terms of banter, but that's something that's lacking and hopefully will will grow in, in future seasons. The front office account, they got to keep things clean. They can't get as, let's say, gritty as the uh, supporters groups in their own regard could get. So True. understandable, understandable. But I'm looking forward to the AFC game or games it's the only team in the league we have not played and we have a really backloaded schedule as far as away and home against them and of course hopefully still in the mix for the playoffs that last match day d-day everybody's playing on the 10th there that last saturday of the season and championship saturday if you will there you go to get to decide those playoffs so hoping to be in the mix for that but Obviously, our old buddies from the GCPL, and I feel like we're friendly rivals with them, and I feel like we're in similar situations. They're a little bit creeping away from us on the table. Any thoughts on them or or the rest of those upcoming teams as we kind of open up not only A50 teams, but the rest of the league? Yeah, we, we got a pretty good relationship with Mobile, their supporters, a lot of good friendly banter going back and forth. If you want to get into a little bit of the history of the Old Fields Battalion, the phrase disturbed game actually came from our first away match at Mobile, which was actually the very first game for Tallahassee. So we had a pretty decent crowd out in Mobile, tense time at the end of the game, so we were making a lot of noise and um, you know trying to hype the team up. Um, and so one of the fans that's sitting down in front of us turns around and says there's only a few of you and you're disturbing the game and the rest is history so we basically looked at him and said thank you for giving us our our new motto it's stuck as our as our thing after that game 
I love that not only that it's a pretty concise hashtag to get across the point you guys want to make, but then it also has a backbone coming from you guys legitimately disturbing other people. That's part of the fun, man, getting the, the supporters group out there. So I love that, and hopefully we can continue to disturb the game, man, get some big results with still 15 points, like we said, left on the table here, man. So let's talk about the history of the Old Fields Battalion. Talk about, of course, you, yourself, the, quote, president of the Old Fields Battalion, as you said. How did you get involved? What's the genesis of this? How do, how do we get this going? Back in 2018, when we found out that we were getting a team at Happy Motoring, big party that we had, there were a few of us there that thought that it'd be cool to have a supporter section. So a few weeks later, we all met again at Happy Motoring and just kind of got together. We're trying to think of some different names based off of Dale Mabry, uh, the whole history behind the team. So we settled on... Oldfields Battalion, which Oldfields is Native American name for uh, for Tallahassee. And Battalion, of course, is a play on Battle Lion. During that same time at Happy Motoring, we sat around and kind of drew out a little sketch of our logo, which was quite crude at the time. But you can see here, I have a little prop um, of, of the scarf. So the blimp represents Dale Mabry, who was a blimp pilot in the pre-World War II time. Sadly, he crashed in the in a blimp accident. We got the bow line, of course, and the and a tree for Tallahassee and all of our campies. That's the history behind the logo. And we're totally organic group, only get, getting around by word of mouth through social media, um, Facebook, Twitter. People come to sit with us during games, of course. Everybody's welcome to sit with us. We don't have any kind of membership structure. You don't have to pay any sort of you know, membership fee like other groups do in MLS and professional leagues. So our thing has always been, if, if you want to be a member of Old Fields Battalion, you already are. We sometimes switch sides in Gene Cox Stadium just based off the weather with the smoke. We try our best not to smoke out the fans. We usually sit behind the home bench. So if you want to join us during games, you're more than welcome to. But if we're not at the home side, we probably move elsewhere to not smoke out anybody. <laughs> there you go. We're at least smoking any of the Tallahassee fans, man. We've been getting some good numbers, man, because obviously you guys have been down there since you were playing on the uh, intramural fields across from College Town. I would call it more downtown, but Tallahassee downtown is, is kind of a funny phrase in and of itself. But what's it like been from the transition, obviously 18, really bare bones, to now having Gene Cox and really establishing that as your guys' home turf and the banners and some pretty good numbers out here consistently throughout this season, even for a team that's that's going through it a little bit right now. I think every single home game, there's been 500-plus, even on the holiday Memorial weekend. I've been happy with our numbers. We were concerned with the hiatus with COVID in 2020 that we would come back and lose all the momentum that we had in terms of support. But we had most of our nucleus, if you will, come back to the group. We've had some new people join us this year. We're always looking for more people, especially if you're rhythmically inclined. We could always use some more drummers or more people to make some noise with us. Whatever you got, we'll, we'll take it. We're just looking to make some noise for our team and have some fun out there, win or lose. We'll be there. That's what you got to appreciate. Talk about the community aspect of it, because that's basically what it is. You know, you want other people to bring in and, and socialize based around the team. What about the club was infectious or attracting to you guys to be able to say, hey, this is something we want to do, and 
We're all in. We're going to be out there every Saturday, sometimes Wednesdays, sometimes Thursdays. We're really going to get this going and have some fun with this. We're really excited to have a team. You don't know anything about it yet other than that the team exists. But what Chris and the rest of the board has built around this community is is really amazing. I think we're the only team that has an entire roster made up of local players. And that's something to be really proud of. And we're really invested in the community. And it's great to see people are coming together. Like you said, we're getting consistently upwards of 500 people every game, really excited crowds. That one penalty save that Grant Wallen made a couple of games ago. I've never heard the stadium so loud. That was such an amazing moment. And it's really nice just to see the community rally around a team like that. So really looking forward to the team getting back home in the Gene Cox next weekend against Mobile. It's always nice to see that and and hear that. So we're definitely proud to see the direction that we've gone as being a totally community-based club. Talk about the makeup of Oldfields a little bit because we're in football country here, obviously in Tallahassee, FSU and FAMU. Football programs historically big-time stuff. And, you know, soccer is the little brother to the the firstborn, the beloved football, American football, of course. So are you guys largely soccer fans or are these just like local people that are just love sports or love atmosphere, love the community? Or where are we open it up for people to say potentially, hey, this is something I could get into? Oh, we're we're a mix of all sorts. Personally, I'm a I'm a big soccer fan, also a big Florida State fan, football, basketball. But we have people that sometimes ask us like, you know, all right, what's, what's offside, what's happening in, in this game. And we're happy to explain it to them. So we are truly open to anyone and everyone that wants to come sit with us and, and support. There's, there's no, I guess you could say knowledge level of the game that's required to join us. There's really no requirements at all other than that you want to support Tallahassee soccer. Um, that's, that's really all that we ask. Can't argue with that. So if somebody wanted to get more involved, how would they do that? So for home games, we are always out tailgating. Um, you'll see a tent set up probably towards the front, and you'll see our, our flags out there. So everybody is more than welcome to come tailgate with us. You know, Come hang out, get in the shade. It's hot in the summertime, so we, we always got the shade. We got some fans set up to try and keep everybody cool. Otherwise, we're fairly active on Twitter, a little less active on Facebook. But you know, if, if somebody reaches out to us on there, we're, we're happy to respond as well. We've had some people reach out to us for membership information, and our answer is always the same. Like, Just come out and sit with us, come out and tailgate with us, and, and you're part of the group. Like I said, we don't have any membership costs. If you want to give us some money, we, we'll, we'll give you a scarf or a koozie or a sticker. Um, we kind of limited it in, in terms of merch, but if you want to buy a scarf from us, we, we got some available. And fortunately, they're the summer weight scarf, so it's good to wear for the last few get games of this season. Find us on cyber, Cyberspace or find us in the, at, at the tailgate. There you go. We'll welcome you with open arms. Switching the focus a little bit, as far as back to the team, from your guys' perspective, what are some things that you guys value or particularly in this version of the team, pretty different from the 2018 version, not only as far as personnel, but with the league change and coming out of COVID and all that stuff. Go through this 2021 squad. In the first iteration, the GCPL version of the team, they were a lot older. You had Hugo Perusian goal, who was, who was kind of the rock back there, kept the team together, a little bit more experienced. This team um, is definitely a youth movement, and it's really great to see because that kind of tells you the the future that we're building in Tallahassee and something that people will come back to. Some of the guys might be going out to college 
but hopefully they come back next season during the summer. Again, one thing that we've noticed is that they don't give up. Like even during these games, you know, it was four nothing in Jacksonville, but you could still see the desire for them to at least get a goal or, or something to hang their hat on. It's really nice to see that no matter what happens, they don't give up. They keep pushing to the very end. I think that's a testament to Coach Bruno, but also you know a, a testament to the to the players themselves about how they've come together on such short notice. It's cool to see them traveling together, going to Busy Bee, watching the Euro on the on the van ride over to Jacksonville. Um, so you, you could tell that this team really loves each other, really plays for each other, and, and that shows on the field. And that's personally my my favorite part of the team, and it makes them makes it really fun to support. For sure, for sure. I know in the last episode, we went through and had a little fun with some mid-season superlatives. Would you have any superlatives that you would hand out? I'm a keeper guy myself. Played goalie in high school. Still do a little bit in TSA. So I'm a big Grant Wallen fan. I'm really impressed with what he's done since he's joined the team. Going back to that penalty save, talking about a favorite moment, that was that was really cool. I felt like that handball was you know, on purpose to save the goal because they knew that Grant would make the penalty save. That's kind of the vibe that I had got from it. And of course he did. And the Gene Cox basically blew up. That was a cool moment. Other things I've noticed, I really like Cy, Cy Fontenot and the connection that he has with Levy Nasimba. And I was just really impressed with that, with the work that those two have. In terms of a returnee, I would go with Jacob Schmoker. It's nice to have him back, a leader. I think that we have that with Schmoker, somebody who's been around a little bit longer and can provide that leadership with the team. Do you talk about the leadership and, and Schmoker? And obviously, as the captain and the vocal leader, you can see it on the field or at practice and everything. His persona and his interactions with the guys just exuding leadership there. And I'm convinced that's the only reason why we lost the games against Southern Stars is because both of them, obviously the red card on the first one, and then brother got married on the most recent one. So both times missing the Southern States game. So I'm convinced we would have taken down the number two team in the table right now had he been there. But Look at what happens after his... Suspension ended, but you turn around and beat Florida Roots. So, you, you know, <laughs> definitely the, the missing piece. I still don't know why he, he he got that red card. We'll never know. Talking with a couple of the guys and talking with Justin, who does the PA at the stadium, evidently it was obviously that Pensacola game is the game that we're referencing on the road, that furious comeback, and then the camera guy, we didn't see what happened, and then Christian got the goal, and then Schmoger got tossed with the red card. Evidently, Pensacola guy had been jabbing back and forth verbally with Schmoker and, of course, not one to shy away from confrontation. I've been told he set the record straight or he told him what time it was. And (laughs) whatever that means, whatever that looks like, is that is what resulted in the red card. But that can't be uttered (laughs) on on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, something something along those lines. Good to have him back and and going forward. So I'm liking the awards, man. I can't knock any of those. Some solid decisions here. It'll be fun to see the guys down the street. I know we talked a little bit about the weather for New Orleans, going back a little small picture, previewing them game-wise. Pending we do get the game off, it's coming up on Saturday. What are your thoughts about New Orleans? Because we saw them when they came here, and obviously 0-0 tie, which you guys tweeted out, which I thought was phenomenal. Tallahassee wins 0-0, because it really did feel like that, especially at the dependently safe. What's your impressions on New Orleans? Are they gettable? different expectations here and thoughts going forward because this is basically almost from here on out kind of running some simulations we're gonna need probably 13 points 
in the next five games to realistically have a shot, which would be winning four of the five and then tying one of those. So not only results, but wins on top of that. But I guess realistically or looking forward to New Orleans, what are some things you're looking forward to or just thoughts on the match? I think after seeing that uh, Roots-Pensacola game last night, that any game is gettable in this league. You even had Jacksonville suffering their first loss. This shows, you know, even if that Jacksonville is so far ahead on the table, there is still some parity in, in this league. So I think any game is gettable. Unfortunately, it's it's not at home. We won't have that atmosphere that, that we had when we were holding on to the 0-0 draw for for dear life with, with the great defending and, and, and great keeping from Grant. This team knows what's at stake. Hopefully they come out with that knowledge. We can get at least a result. Three points would be great, but getting a win is definitely within the realm of possibility with, with this team. For sure. And I know it's kind of a personnel update. I was talking to one of the guys, I guess the leader of the supporters group out there, the Royal Court. And so I know that the one guy that got injured who was really good on the perimeter, I think it was 11 Walsh for them. He seems to be healthy, and he's good to go. And then they have basically their schmoker, field general, field enforcer. He gets a lot of cards, and he missed due to some kind of accumulation rule because I think in his first five matches, he got four yellow cards. And so I'm not exactly sure of where the NPSL runs on accumulation, but I was told that it was due to that, and he had to miss a game of our game. But he's back as well. I think it's Jackson Hume or... Home. I forget the pronunciation there. So it should be a full-strength New Orleans squad going forward. But like you said, I mean, we can hang with them. And I've also heard rumors that this is the game that they're targeting, size return. And obviously, with Cy being out, injured the last couple of weeks, we've seen how that's impacted and really missing his offensive presence, not only to score goals and make trouble, but if nothing else, keep the other team occupied, so it's not like this barrage of assaults on our defensive line. And obviously, personally, you know, want to wish Cy well as an addition to getting him back up to health. And because he's got college ball coming up in the fall, too, to get back to once our season's finished here. But I guess that's kind of the health status update. So both teams, it seems, are, are trending towards yeah. full health so we should get a fully loaded game pending that we the weather cooperates here weather cooperating yeah it, it'll be nice to have Cy back for sure we, you've seen how much we've missed him in these past couple of games with the lack of scoring so hopefully getting him back will right the ship absolutely so that's pretty much all i got for you richard i feel like you hit on all the points we wanted to talk about so i'll give you an opportunity to open anything up you want to give us the deep dive on or want to give us the scoop like I said before, we're always looking for more people trying to grow our ranks. We have one guy that kind of plays a bugle. Maybe you can add a trombone or something like that if anybody's down for that. I know there's some high schoolers out there. Adding, college kids are out of town, I'm sure. But yeah, there's there's got to be some band kids out there that want to come, you know, beat the drum with us or bring your trumpet or trombone or whatever you want. Just, you know, come make some noise with us and we'll welcome all. I was just imagining somebody with the trombone doing that classic wah, wah, wah. That would be perfect. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And just kind of going back, I know it's out of order as a side here, but a little anecdote that I thought you guys would appreciate is the Cam Earls, obviously an intentional handball in the box, red card, 10 out of 10 times with a clear path to the goal. Evidently, he was going to be unavailable for the following game at Port City anyways. So it kind of worked out. He served his suspension, but it wouldn't have made a difference because he wouldn't have been out there, which to me 
is almost like a more baller move. Two or three minutes left in the game, you know, the guy's got to hold on. As you said, he knew Grant was going to stop it. And so, to me, I don't know, I thought it, I was even more impressed with that because, like, uh, all right, this is how we're going to finish this. I'll see you guys next week. It kind of had the feeling to me, um, like, Germany versus USA and in, in, in the World Cup where we almost had that goal and the, the German guy puts his arm out and blocks it. Of course, there is no penalty or red card in that situation, but Cam got the red card and Grant made the save like we all knew he would and preserved the point for us, which was which is awesome. Definitely one of my top moments of the season, personally. No doubt. That was an absolutely wild sequence. And a great way, of course, to, I think, end on a high here, Richard, talking about our last result. And so hopefully we can get some more points, hopefully three of them, against New Orleans pending the game gets off. Appreciate you taking some time, man, and give us some insight on old fields. And, and anytime you want to come back, man, you just let me know. Or if you want to pop in for an update, we'd love to catch up with you guys here as we, we come down the stretch for the season. But thanks again for taking some time, man. For sure. We love the podcast. Uh, hoping to make the trip down I-10 this Saturday, weather permitting. If not, we'll look forward to the next one. All righty. Thank you again to Richard Rubin, president of the Old Fields Battalion, the supporters group here of the Tallahassee Soccer Club. Some of the OG supporters right there, man. Big stuff. Big stuff. So we'll jump out of one interview and we're going to snap right into the other one. No breaks coming up here. This is a segment we like to call Behind Enemy Lines, where we try to get the scoop from the other opponents here in the MPSL from people from the other organizations themselves. So we were able to get in touch of the supporters group president, or since they're called the Royal Court, the king, if you will. Jeff Hotard is going to come in and we're going to have a little conversation with him. So welcome to the program, Tally SC Talk. Jeff, thanks for taking some time, man, and for spilling the beans a little bit on New Orleans. How are things going out there and how are we feeling? Going great. As long as you're in the playoffs, I want another shot at Jacksonville, my man. I want it. I can feel it. Once we get some of our guys back, it'll be good. Hey, to go, man. Everybody wants a shot at Jacks. I know we got a, ours here a couple days. We'll get them a little midweek fixture on Wednesday, and then uh, we'll we'll have to soften them up for you guys down the road. But talk a little bit about, because we talked about the table. Obviously, New Orleans sitting in fourth, depending on if you're going by raw points, points per game. You guys have any thoughts about this this whole points per game thing that the MPSL was pushing, or or you I guys are raw points? It's always been points per game. They've always used it for as long as I've noticed because they that's how they used to determine home field throughout MPSL on like they get to the super deep playoffs because some teams have four or five teams and we have what eight. It's just more equal when you do it that way compared to just straight points because if one conference only plays six games in it and we play 12, we're also going to have more points. I mean, it all evens out at the end. We're going to have the same number of games, so in this conference at least. Right. You're thinking bigger picture. We're trying to figure out points per game and all that. And that's really what got us. We realized what was going on. It doesn't – some conferences have, what, five teams in them, and they're only going to have eight games. So if I have, they have 24 points out of their eight games, it looks a lot better than my 25 points in 12 games. So I just bring it up because you guys would be, if it was raw points, I think you guys would be third in the table right now compared to fourth on points per game. But you're like you said, semantics until playoffs start. But yeah, give me a little state of affairs out in New Orleans because at least what was told to me is New Orleans going to be the, one of the top dogs coming in here. What are your guys' kind of thoughts of the season so far? How is Jesterland? 
I mean, going to season, we had high hopes. We had a couple players that didn't make it across the pond for COVID and other issues. One guy, the FA, wouldn't release because he was on suspension. We were scrambling to get a bunch of guys in towards the end of towards the start of the season, but we're getting more players in. It seems like each week we get another player or two that I hear on the PA or even you called someone. I'm like, who the hell is that? <laughs> I had to text the captain after the game, like, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> oh, a new player. Oh, you didn't announce them. Thanks for letting me know. Shout out. Appreciate the heads up. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But yeah, that was kind of the mantra is everybody still coming into the fold. So do you feel like you guys are getting to be a cohesive unit or do you think it's still something that's developing? You saw it in our game. I just feel we're missing, honestly, that finisher. In our first game, I don't think any there's any question we were the better side and probably deserved the three points, not the one. And I felt the same way on uh, – Saturday night against uh, Mobile. I don't know if you saw the Mobile goal, but it was a wonder strike in the upper 90 from like 30 yards out. I mean, it was incredible. And we just pressed, pressed, pressed. We finally got equalized late in the first half. I mean, they didn't have much possession in the second half, but it just felt like we're one player away, and that could be that finisher. We could unlock us and maybe even contend with Jacksonville down the line obviously we saw some of the guys out there and i think green would he kind of be your most offensive threatening player would you say i would probably say he's the best finisher i've said number 11 mason walsh is our best player to me he's probably the second best gesture we've ever had behind mullins he comes up that wing he creates chances he's not necessarily the goal scorer you think of when you think like star player but he's the guy setting everyone up basically the Chris Palmer team. He's not, he can score when he has to, but he's going to put that cross in. If you're not careful, he can dribble around you. He can do it all to me. That was one thing. He was kind of the main provocateur, if you will. And in the game you guys played over in Tallahassee and I know he got injured in that game. And Mm -hmm. I think that kind of changed things a little bit for you guys to try to recover in that, because I think you guys definitely probably would have gotten one in if he was still in there. Is he healthy? And can we expect him back on Saturday? Do you know? I haven't heard much. I knew he said it was an ankle issue. He's hoping to get back as soon as he can. I don't want to speculate too much. I know ankles are one of those things. We had one guy on our team. He's like, ankle 10 days. And then it ended up being about four and a half weeks. Feels bad for three days. Wake up and it's magically healed. Just need to hit him with that magic spray every morning. And I think it'll be good to go. Talk a little bit about the last couple games that you guys had. Obviously, a couple weeks ago, we had the game tied 0-0. And you guys faced a hot Pensacola team who had a rough start, but was really coming on strong. And then you guys whipped them 4-0. What was the feeling of that game? Was it just being back at home after a little road trip? Or talk a little bit about how you guys are coming into form lately. That was really the first game when we talked about finishing that we finished. We had um, three goals by Sheldon Green, who we discussed before we recorded. Missed the penalty kick against y'all, ironically. The answers were three goals, and we had a penalty in that game, and he didn't even take it. I know one of our guys, probably about 70 minutes in, he had a phenomenal header, and Grant yeah. ripped it off the bottom of the uh, crossbar. And that's what we were talking about that at least Graham, I think in our opinion that he's the keeper, best keeper we've faced so far. We haven't seen AFC Mobile, so I don't know how good their guy is, but Blake is pretty good. He's, I mean, the two goals we got on him, he had no shot on, but if he has a shot, 
he's probably going to stop it. Yeah, can you spill the beans on uh, AFC a little bit? Have you played him twice already? Or Yeah, you yeah, played him twice, twice, both 1-1 draws, right? Yeah, 1-1 draws when I think in both games we were a better side. And those drop points come back and haunt you, especially on this point per game. They just fight. They're fighters. They're going to fight you tooth and nail. You guys from the first game in Mobile, you guys fight the right way, not like the other GCPL team who actually comes out and just straight out hits you and gets a couple of red cards against you. But that's not a hero there. Are they more defensive team or is it just aggressive? I think that we were just more talented and that put them on their heels more. But I don't remember what game was. I saw William Blake had 15 saves for them. So I think they're more defensive by default because they don't have the talent that a Jacksonville, a Hattiesburg, or Pittsburgh, or even us have. He's just an incredible goal. I think they're more defensive just because they have to be. Do the old U.S. thing. You, do, you defend, defend, long battle, counter. You watch that 08 team. That's what we used to do with the, the first Bruce Arena. If yeah, the first go around back in the day. <laughs> True. So yeah, talk a little bit about more of New Orleans feel. Obviously the king of the Royal Court, the supporters group. How did you get involved? I mean, I got involved like it was 2014 World Cup, I think it was. It was a big soccer bar in the city, Timberpools. Love soccer, you've been in the world, everyone watches the games there. And they would literally bus people from Finns at the Royal Cup games to the game. So I saw I started going to games and then I just got in the fan group and took off from there, I guess. We like to drink beer, have fun, watch soccer and just hang out with our friends. So we're doing, you know, we're not trying to start too much stuff unless you're complete dicks and we'll screw with you. You talked about the, when you guys came out here to Tallahassee, felt like the better team, obviously zero, zero. What was the feelings with the squad or with the community after that one? Was that disappointment or... I mean, we were just kind of disappointed. Like, well, like we lost zero zeros. We lost two points there that could come in handy, especially when Pensacola has those two games in hand. I mean, like, we're third right now, but they have two games in hand. So they're, they might as well be third, not us. And we're going to look back at the end of the year and harp on the two mobile games, dropping four points there. And hopefully we'll harp on dropping only two points to you guys. There you go. From your perspective, I guess, what, if anything, was the most threatening or I guess kind of your game analysis of TSC coming from that side, any thoughts or just kind of perspective. I know you said our goalie Wallum, he, he played out of his mind to keep you guys out of the net or anything mm-hmm. else that you felt was vulnerable or could be attacked or that you guys matched up well against. I know you talked about Walsh on the perimeter who was definitely doing some damage. Anything else? I didn't realize uh, numbers, uh, number eight, Jackson Holm, didn't play that game for us. But he can be a difference maker for us on that pitch. He scored uh, against Pensacola, actually. I mean, he can be a difference maker, and he's a really tough, gritty guy. He's actually an undefeated boxer, 2-0 and in England. He's a British guy, then? I mean, most of we have a good, pretty good mixture of British guys and uh, local kids. The goalie, Graham. He played in the GCPL with uh, C.D. Montenegro, I think it is, for a couple of years, I believe. Uh, Walsh has been with us for years. Mason Maurice is local. Adam Torres, Tony Judis. We have a pretty good local contingent. Walsh is our main – I mean, we all have a recruiter. He's basically our main recruiter. 
So he gets guys from England that he thinks that can make a difference for us. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't, because that's just the nature of the beast. Since 2017, we've probably had the most talented teams. Where does he usually fall on the field? Because I see, like you said, he got the goal, and I think he had another one earlier in the season, but I see a lot of yellow cards next to his name. Is he kind of an yeah, enforcer at the midfield? We had an old player, Nile Smith, and we all showed he was good for a yellow card a game. He was basically kind of an enforcer on the field for you, too. And that's why I feel like Jackson is good at He He's not the biggest guy. No one's even more physical than he will be. I feel like everybody's got to have at least one. We got one, too. He got he actually got a red guard. Tom Wilson, that Ryan Reeves kind of guy. Give your team some backbone sometime. So will he be yeah. back, you think? Because you said he served his yeah. suspension and he'll be okay? He was suspended for, the, for your game. He played Saturday against Mobile. And now he played against Pensacola, too. So I assume he's back. Is he more of kind of a holding mid, attacking mid, or does he kind of do a little bit of everything? He has a little bit of everything. Um, I like his – I just like his game because like, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I was never the most talented person when I played sports, but I was always going to outsmart you, and if I had to take a shot when no one was looking, I was. You know, he's got to have that. We always Every team's going to have one. If you don't, I just feel something's missing from your team because you need that spark some time on a late challenge. What's the response to it? Not just like, oh – well, I guess he didn't mean to or whatever. Just go and push him down. Let him know you're not taking no shit. Tell him what time it is. Absolutely. Are you guys pretty standard as far as your formation goes, as your approach goes? Are you guys pretty fluid uh, depending on the personnel? Because I know you said you're still getting like, guys in. One thing Kenny does is when he's short someone, he always falls back to the local guys and I can play them out of position sometimes, you know? Like Mason Maurice, uh, I think he's 19. He has look out the man bun for us. He played in the back for against you guys, and he's our creative midfielder. It's not his game, but he goes back to those guys that he trusts, and he can play them by position sometimes. I don't think we've had our full squad yet. We have more guys coming in. I don't know if they're going to be playing Saturday or not. Depends on who's here, who's not, who's suspended, who's hurt. <laughs> you never know this league because. One week they make, oh, I got vacation or whatever, especially local guys. True, true. Very fluid. I know us have been the same. People getting married, people out of town, people got family stuff and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, back, we had two back line people at weddings this weekend. Missed the game against Mobile. Yeah, that's where our captain was. He was out there. Since it's not, lack of a better term, it's not major pro, these guys aren't missing that kind of stuff for this. So it's hard for Dick because I don't, I don't know the social calendar. That well, <laughs> like you said, semi-pro. We had a guy that I found out game day, the night before. He was just at his buddy's, sliced his foot open at the pool party, and uh, so he was a no-go. Part of the fun, though, like you said, it part is. Of the, part you, of never, the you really never know who's gonna be available or not any day. I got, I walked into the game on uh, Wednesday, and Tony Judice was out. I'm like, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? I'm like. Bro, you played 10 minutes. What are they called in the uh, NBA? They got to get the load management. <laughs> load management. I mean, Tony is actually, I believe, uh, unofficially the all-time leading scorer for the Jets, which he's been with us that long. I mean, he just goes. He's probably been with us t- at least 10 years. Wow. What's it? What's his last name? You said it was Tony. Judice. You called him Judas. Judas. Yeah, it was kind of that's what we were we were on the fence about it and we're like, you know, we're trying to paint them as the villains, so why not just go Judas? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I legit wish I had someone's patent information so I could like 
hey, give you guys information on how to say it right. True, because that, that's the one thing is if we even get the rosters, then it's last yeah. second and they're blasting them in. So, yeah, I, said, I would guys have, that have somebody. Have been guys that have been with us for years. Mm-hmm. So it's, they, they know this mistake happens. It's like this guy, oh, hey, you know. Once again, part of the beauty of the MPSL, man, along with the uh, the streaming provider that they <laughs> they give us. It wasn't until they switched to MyKuju11 Sports Whatever branding they're going to change the next year to make us think it's still the same shitty product is awful. It makes you wonder if they bought it or uh, Cujo was just able to unload it on somebody else. I don't think I've ever met anyone who's actually pleased or satisfied with it. I don't know if you ever try to watch that poor city game with that controversy with us. with the They got those two red cards. Yeah, I went back and tried to watch it the next day. And all you can see is like, comes up during halftime and I legit called Kenny and was like, Kenny, what happened here? And he goes, I was told Mike Kuju wasn't working on the streaming end, so it was not our fault. Yeah, every I've, I've talked to pretty much every organization, somebody on the tech side, and everybody says the same. He's like, and I can tell you from our response too, ab- something happens every week. Either it doesn't load, we can't get the scoreboard, we can't get the clock. The camera's right there and everything is ready to go. But it's just the Cujo that that won't let it go through. We saw the goalie. I was trying to see if they had the number five stomping uh, on a player. Yeah, I only saw the charge out from the keeper. Five who took offense to us somehow because we didn't even notice him at all until he started trying to challenge us to fight and stuff and motion towards us. But we caught him at, away from the play stomping on a player. Thankfully, the fourth official saw it. And he got out, too, on that. So he's just, like, curb stomping him like he was in a gang fight? Is that what was happening? Pretty much. I think he stomped his hand, tried to stomp the guy's hand on the ground. I still never seen anything like that goalie. Yeah, that was insane. Because there's a lot of real estate that you can double-think that decision before he just lowers it. Was it a late slide tackle? Yeah, sure. Did our guy get a yellow for it? Yes, he did. But there's no reason to sprint 30 yards to lay the guy out. Especially as the goalie. You got to be aware of that. You know, they didn't have another goalie. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. They legit had their other. And the guy came and was in a warm up shirt with no number on. There's a lot of things he wasn't thinking about on the way <laughs> on the way over there, I guess. No, I think he got an extra game ban, too. He and five, both in about two game bans. They should have gotten at least that, yeah, absolutely. They're lucky to still be in the league, to be honest. Five wasn't even rostered for the last game they played against Jacksonville because uh, they had a red card after the game. Someone threw a water bottle at the referee or something. <laughs> Dang, this is. I was trying to see if it was the same guy, and the match report said five wasn't even rostered. This is Port City again. Yeah, on Sunday they had a red card after the game ended. Because one of the guys threw a water bottle at the ref. What? Was that on the stream? Did you have a chance to go back and watch it? I saw the clip of it. You see the, the water bottle flying? It's in the uh, Gulf Coast uh, banter group on Facebook. One of the Jacksonville guys happened to catch it. <laughs> and you see the referee just take the red card out. You see the bottle coming out of nowhere. That's a different bunch there. We played them again on the 23rd up there. Mm-hmm. 
I'm told there's no support at all up there, unfortunately. But we got a couple guys that are in the going to go just because it's our closest game. Oh, okay. Yeah, but how far are they out from you guys? About an hour and a half. Oh, that's good. Hattiesburg, Oak Grove is like out 145. So those are our two closest games in Mobile. Then you get to those Florida teams. Yeah, I feel like we're kind of in that no zone. Obviously, Jacksonville's way out there. But Jacksonville's our closest. They're about two and a half. And then Panama City's about three from us. Yeah, we were in that no zone in that old conference we were in. We had Asheville, Greenville, Chattanooga, Birmingham, Atlanta. We had no one in a six-hour drive of us. It was awful. And, of course, we got a bad rep because why do we want to travel six hours and for those kind of cities? When you're from a big city, you don't want to travel to a somewhat smaller or less party city, especially like New Orleans. Because the one thing about New Orleans is there's always something going on. Easy for people to come here. It's harder for us to leave because also a lot, a lot of our guys work in hospitality at, in the restaurant because it's so big here. Hotels, musicians, it's so big here. A lot of our people are in the industry. Right. Yeah, because it's different to get away for three hours. But when you're talking about doing a two, three day, that's a whole different conversation. So I get that. Chattanooga always gave a shit for not traveling. Why the hell does New Orleans, New Orleans want to go to Chattanooga? Why does Chattanooga want to come to New Orleans? Oh, I wonder why. Got it going on, like you said, man. I don't know if you have anything else, so I'll open it to you. I know it's a tough weekend to travel with Sunday being Father's Day. But if you do make the trip, please let me know. And we'll be more than happy to share some years and stories and good times with everyone. There it is, man. That's what small time soccer is all about. Well, thanks again, man. Once again, Jeff Hotard, the king of the Royal Court, coming aboard with us. But thank you for the time, Jeff. Take care, man. Hope to see you on Saturday. Hopefully we get a good one. Maybe some more goals this time. What you think? As long as they're by us. <laughs> that was our first 0-0. So I say no more. Exciting 0-0 at least. I mean. <laughs> too true. Too true. Well, thanks again, man. I'll let you go. Best of luck this season, man. All right, man. You too, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Jeff Hotard, as he refers to himself as the king of the Royal Court. Of course, the supporters group for the New Orleans Jesters. So not a bad little play on words there. But he provided us some really, really nice insight on the Behind Anime Lines segment as we go forward here. So thanks again to Jeff. And thanks again to the New Orleans Royal Court for giving us a shout out, hitting us up on Twitter. And just like them, you can hit us up on social media at TallySCTalk or send us an email, hit the mailbag, questions, conversations, anything like that. You need to reach out to us. Hey, you want a little interview? You want a feature here? As long as you're not a crazy lunatic, we may even get you on the show even if you are a crazy lunatic. But we're going to go through a little venting process, but we like to be a podcast to the people, and it's edited. So we'll get you on here. We'll see what happens. And if you make the cut... We'll get you in the starting 18 of this podcast. So, I think that's a healthy transition to go to the mailbag now that we've had these interviews and we've gone behind enemy lines, both supporter groups near and far. So let's hit that mailbag, baby. You got some mail. Oh, mail's here. But have have you have you have you ever seen a mailroom? So as we reach into the mailbag, let me get a ru- little rustle going here. Here we go. Shout out to Cody from Tallahassee. He says, "Hey guys, long time listener, first time caller," and he's got a bunch of questions here. 
Um, it looks like four questions, some of them multi-part. So we'll try to read the whole email, and then we'll come back, and then we'll go one by one. So he says, hey, guys, long-time listener, first-time caller. What collaboration between a local business and the team would you like to see if you could make it happen? And then, any insights on our upcoming promos or anything in the works? Could it be food at the stadium, apparel launch soon, something around the town, business, watch parties, something like that? And he said, I'm thinking along the lines of the proof collab stay gold last week that my wife really loved. Question number three. Who do you think will be our biggest rival in the league from the games we've seen so far? Any team stand out as particularly spicy or give you that rival feeling yet? Number four, what has been your favorite slash most memorable play so far this year? He says, thanks for all you do. Go Battle Lions. Go Cousin Cy. LOL. So obviously a big listener of the podcast with this Cousin Cy reference. So appreciate you, Cody, for giving us the email. Um, usually I'd toss these to my boy Trent, but like we said, Trent is on the mend, so I will answer these independently as best I can. So let's go back to question number one. What collaboration between a local business and the team would you like to see if you could make it happen? So local business and the team, so it wouldn't necessarily be a local business and the podcast, though if you are looking for some advertising opportunities, I say get in on this action. Very affordable rates. We can slide you in here. A good little network we have not only here in Tallahassee, but of course the Big Bend. Address it to Andrew Jupe here at tallyscTalk at gmail.com. Just like you would hit the mailbag, just title that Advertising Opportunities. We'd love to have that conversation with you. But that's not Cody's question of the mailbag. What collaboration between a local business and the team would I like to see? Hmm. I'd say for the good of the team, or one of the biggest expenses in general, is travel. So I say, just in as far as a team welfare collaboration, I would say that I would like to see for them, I know it's not really a local business, but it's a business here in Tallahassee, a rental car company or a gas company. You know, trade out some advertise them, a little product for product, or a rental car situation. They could even give you a voucher or, I mean, even a gas station could just give you a ton of gas card gift certificates just so when we're going out to New Orleans and going out to Hattiesburg and going out to Gulfport, Mississippi, and even Pensacola out there, you know, still three-plus hours into the panhandle, I think for the welfare of the team, that would be kind of the best approach and I think would be a phenomenal idea so going on to question number two, any insights or upcoming promos? He said he referenced that his wife loved the Stay Gold beer from Proof. Of course, if you haven't had it, it's a hazy pale ale. Um, it's phenomenal. I tried it myself out at the tailgate with Trent and a couple other. The TSC faithful really enjoyed it. It's not too hoppy. It was smooth. I'm not a connoisseur. So basically, when I drink a beer, it's either good or bad. And I can tell you, two thumbs up. This beer was good, and I would thoroughly recommend it. Picked up three, four packs myself the other day from Proof, and Proof very accommodating. They knew I was going out to the road trip. I actually messaged them on the Twitter from the podcast account. I said, hey, guys, I'm trying to go out to the Jacksonville game. I want to drink the TSC beer that you guys made, and I want to drink it in Jacksonville on the road for the TSC game. And so I was messaging whoever messages the Twitter account. I went in there an hour early, blasted in there before they opened, and I was well on the road. So I appreciate the flexibility from them. That was dope. Um, but back to the question. Food at the stadium, 
or some kind of apparel. I selfishly would love to see some kind of burgers or something really hearty out there. I'm trying to think of some local uh, burger joints, you know, what would have been Midtown Caboose. But I think the Midtown Caboose would be my kind of prevailing one. I know they already kind of have a tacos situation, but there are some phenomenal Mexican spots. Think about La Tiendita on North Monroe Street. Love it. Locally owned, immigrant owned. Love going there. La Tiendita, they just established some new outdoor seating there. So would really be down with that. There's also a really good place off of Tharp Street called Locos Tacos. Once again, locally immigrant owned. Really good uh, spot out there. I used to record another podcast, actually, as an aside. And we would meet up there. We would eat Locos. They have great nighttime specials or daily specials, I guess I should say. I know the Monday special was a burrito and they had some kind of package but it was phenomenal great prices out there but both of those facilities i love but yeah would love to see some local burgers out there but as far as other collaborations nothing really that i'm privy to that may be a question for the president or the tallahassee sc accounts but as far as watch parties i know every away game for watch parties at proof will host and they will have it up there on the big screen so if you want to try out the stay gold we have a couple more road games coming up you can definitely head down there to watch parties so question number three of this marathon email here who do you think our biggest rival for the games we've seen so far and does any team stand out particularly spicy or give you that rival feeling man i feel like there's a couple of different ways we could attack this to be honest biggest rival i mean You can take rival in a lot of different senses, right? I think when it comes to rivals, I would start with our in-state guys. The 8-5-0 Cup, I feel like, is really facilitating a rivalry, especially against a scrappy Roots team, which I feel like we're in a lot of the same pages as far as being first-year teams in the NPSL and starting up and having smaller community bases as compared to Jacksonville. Though, as far as the fan bases go and the perception that I get from these supporters groups and other things, man, I I hated going out to Jacksonville. The Not as far as the trip, but, dude, they were punks, man. And the way that they play and their fans are just... They're so cocky, man. It makes you want to take a chop down at them. But they've been around forever, and they're a team that's got a whole established program. They've got a higher senior team. This is their U23 team that plays in our MPSL. And so even though I would like to consider them rivals, I don't think we're up to that yet, if that makes sense. Not to be disparaging to TSC, um, but I think that's pretty realistic. But I think we have a friendly rivalry as well with AFC. Once again, they're our old uh, Gulf Coast Premier League buddies from a couple years ago, and I feel like we play similar styles and we kind of have a similar makeup as far as homegrown talent, but are also very good on social media, but are also very friendly in the interactions and understand the game of soccer and can go at each other competitively. So I know I answered there a lot. I would say biggest rivals, probably the 850 with this 850 Cup going. Um, as far as spicy angles, like I said, probably Jacksonville or Southern States, just because they kind of have that cocky, spoiled approach to them. And so us as kind of the underdogs, we're taking them down. But I do believe that the roots are a little spicy too. Those guys, uh, we had some battles with them. So that was fun. That kind of answers the question on a number of different levels. And last question, what's been your favorite, most memorable play so far this year? Wow. Favorite 
memorable play. I'm trying to think back. There were a number of great ones. The one that I was in person for, I'd say the best in-person moment was the Wallum save. The Walford wall shut down the New Orleans guy to preserve the 0-0 tie. Of course, on the heels of that Cam Earls intentional handball to get the red card. And we dropped this as kind of a nugget, but... The more I hear about it, the more I look into it, it was such a baller sequence because, one, the Camerals' intentional red card gave us a chance, gave Wallum an opportunity to keep us at 0-0. If he lets that go or tries to use his foot and misses it, that's 1-0, and we're probably not going to get that goal in the last three, four minutes. But it gives him an opportunity to do so. Wallum comes up big, so the sacrificial lamb Camerals is vindicated by the save. We keep it at 0-0. Huge point, not only for us, but I think... A huge opportunity to not allow New Orleans to get the full three points so they keep them down here, helping TSC in the future stay in this playoff conversation. Of course, I also found out that Earls was not going to be able to make that next game anyways. I think it was the Port City game, if I'm not mistaken, that he had other plans or other obligations. And so it was kind of an extra baller move that kind of came to light because like, well, I'll serve my suspension. I wasn't going to be here anyway, so I didn't really miss out on anything. So to me, that was kind of more a baller move once I saw the big picture. And I'd say that that has to be the one that stands out to me. As far as one that I wasn't there for, I heard the Christian Winuk goal out in Pensacola, the one that helped finish off the rally to get us back after we were down 3-1, you know, 78th minute, I think it was, to be able to get us to that time. I think really jump-started the season and was really a validation of this team can overcome a lot and we can play with teams and fighting through adversity. Of course, I wasn't able to see that due to the stream problems, but I've heard that that was legendary, that was beautiful, and I think more of a momentous play as far as the season goes to set us up. So those would be my two to answer the questions. Like I said, I wish Trent was here to be able to play off this, but if you get some more conversation starters, Feel free to come back with us, Cody. Also, shout out to you for being a longtime listener. Appreciate you turning into Tallahassee SC Talk, the official podcast here of the Tallahassee Soccer Club. And I love the Cousin Cy reference. He's been injured, man. We haven't been able to drop enough Cousin Cy references. So thank you for that, my man. So once again, if you want to get on the mailbag, talliescitalk at gmail.com, baby. It's easy. It's easy. No problem. It's casual. Do not be afraid. We'll answer the emails, we'll get back to you, and we will work with you to answer your questions and concerns. So that'll pretty much do it here. We've gone through the recap. We've gone through anything that we wanted to talk about. We've had our two interviews that were pretty fun, pretty interesting, and a little bit of a different look here around the league. And so that'll take us all as the boys hopefully will take a trip out to New Orleans to play this Saturday and hopefully take some jump up in the standings. But... Just as a warning, I've been told by personnel in New Orleans and I've been told by Mr. President himself that there is some severe weather potentially looming in the New Orleans area slash to our west of the Gulf. So there may be a situation where that game is rescheduled. And of course, that would result down the line in us probably having to play an additional midweek feature. So we'll keep an eye on that because that could drastically impact things. I also know that the roster is going to look a little different. There are a number of guys, you know, because this is small-time soccer, and they have life priorities that are not going to be able to make the trip to New Orleans. So when the roster drops either Friday night or Saturday morning, make sure to take a look at the tally 
SC Talk podcast, social media, or from the horse's mouth themselves, the Tallahassee Soccer Club social media. They put out always like a cool graphic with a nice picture of the starting, or not the starters, but the 18 of that are on the roster. Those will be your eligible starters. So it'll give you a glimpse behind the veil, if you will, to see what the team will look like this weekend. But like I said, that's about it. Open and shut case here. So thanks for joining me and bearing with me on a solo venture. I know you guys are probably sick of me talking and not being able to ping pong off of Trent and some other guys, but we did have the two interviews, so I hope you enjoyed. Like you said, shameless plug as always at Tally SC Talk, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tally SC Talk at gmail.com. Questions, concerns, mailbag. And we'll keep this thing on rolling, man. But thank you for tuning in and off to New Orleans, hopefully for three more points. We'll talk to you later.